Um, The reading tonight is taken from Ephesians, which can be found at page 190 in the New Testament section of your church pew Bibles. Um, I'll be reading from chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. So then, remember that at one time, you Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with his commandments and ordinances so that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body, through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints, and also members of the household of God built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. Let's pray together. Lord God, we give thanks for scripture, for your word this evening, and for the church that you are the head of. We pray that we would be faithful disciples now and all of our days. We ask this in your mighty name. Amen. So do keep your Bibles open at Ephesians 2. We will be getting to it. We'll be reading it quite closely as well. So where are we up to in our story are sort of this acts of a play, almost. If you ever go to a play, every act seems distinct, seems different, but each one leads on one from another. God's creation. God made the world and it was good. In the fall, the, the, the bad things of this world set in, but also it shows us how much we need God. Moving on to our next act, we have Israel. And God invests in these small number of people, um, and he shows them that actually they need him. They need to lean into his goodness, and it shows what it means to be a community of faith, walking with God. Then our week last week was Jesus And Jesus was the the fullness of God's grace for us, that chief example that had been hinted at in previous generations to Israel. They see in fullness in Jesus. And then we have today, we have the church. And that's what we're going to be getting into. 
But let's get into this idea, this flow of God's grace a little bit more. In creation, God has started with two people. He has started with Adam and Eve, that tiny microcosm of faith and tiny microcosm of journeying with God. He invests in the subsequent generations in people like Abraham, calls them to be a people, calls them into a land, people like Moses. There are this small group and God journeys with them. He shows what faith is. He shows what it means to be drawn by him, to trust in him, to form a small nation. And sometimes following God went well. Sometimes it seemed to go less well. But then eventually we see Jesus and he comes as that chief expression of God with us. He walks among the people And they see his goodness. But this is God with us. Then at Pentecost, soon after Jesus has ascended to heaven, the promise of God's Spirit is poured out on all flesh. And in the pouring out of God's Spirit, we see the fullness of God for us. If in Jesus we see God with us, at Pentecost we see God for us. God in us, offering us his spirit, dwelling with us as we journey with him. And so ultimately this idea of the church starts at the moment of Pentecost, starts at the infilling of the spirit. This has catalyzed the whole of the church and the whole history of the church. If you read um, the ends of the Gospels into the beginning of Acts, you have these disciples who were timid who were scared, who seemed ineffective, and yet in the moment of the giving of the Holy Spirit, all of history was changed. Not only in the Gospels, but everything we see where the church spread, there was great change, signs of miracles spoken out throughout the world. This is what the church's history attests to. Christianity exploding across North Africa, across Europe, into Asia. We see it throughout the world. So to our passage from Ephesians, this is one expression, one understanding of what the church is and what the church means for us. So our passage starts by making it clear um, towards verse 11 that there are two distinct groups of people. That there were those people who were within God's plan in the past and there were those people who were outside of God's plan. Those inside were known as the circumcision and those outside were known as the Gentiles. So before the coming of the Holy Spirit, You have these two groups, this relatively small group who were within God's plan. But in the church, the doors are flung wide. God's spirit is poured out on all flesh. He offers it to all people. Verse 12, you were at one time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
It puts it so well that from the people of God in the Old Testament to the people of God in the New Testament, once you were aliens, and aliens here means strangers and outsiders. It doesn't mean extraterrestrials. I love still now, if, if you can't get, find, get yourself a passport to a country, you're, turned to, you're still termed an alien. Do you know that? Um, if you're struggling um, you know, with your visa and your visa runs out, you're termed an alien to that nation. You are a citizen, you are with, or you are excluded and without. So you were aliens to this commonwealth of Israel. Strangers to the covenant of promise. I love that. Strangers to the covenant of promise. Those covenants that we heard about a few weeks ago when we were talking about Israel. When there were that small chosen people journeying with God. Once you were outside of that covenant of promise. Now you have been invited in. God is widening out and bringing in those strangers to the promise having been without hope of God, now they are with hope. Those who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That is essentially a wonderful summary of what the church is, that we have been brought near, that we were once outsiders and have been brought close we see those promises that God has made over centuries and generations and has offered them to us. Verse 14, For he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one. He has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. In the Jerusalem temple there was actually um, essentially this wall um, which was known as the dividing wall of hostility. And it was this thing that basically meant if you are a, a person of Israel, if you were a Jew, you could go beyond this wall. You could worship God. But if you weren't, you were kept behind this wall. You could go into the outer courts of the temple. You could observe uh, the Jewish faith, but you couldn't really experience it. You couldn't really be part of it. And so what they're talking about here is that that dividing wall is no longer there. There is nothing stopping us from coming into the presence of God. So there is that physical barrier broken, but also broken in a, a way in our hearts as well. Verse 16, that you might reconcile both groups in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through us. Jesus brings together all of the people of God into one body, into his body. That's why we, we treasure those words in the communion. This is my body. This is my blood. Because in his body, we are brought close in him. Verse 17, so he came and he proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. Do you remember a few weeks ago back to 
the week on Israel, you have the people of God in the Old Testament. There was that desire from God for the people to stay close to him, to rely on him. And though it looks different, maybe for the church, the desire from God is still the same. Come and remain close to me. Lean into me. Rely on me for your goodness, for your life-giving spirit. This is what we're called to do. This is what God was training his people to do all through those generations. Verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God. When we were brought close in Jesus, we're given essentially a change of status from outsiders not to even insiders, outsiders to family members. Those who were far off to those who are family, those who are entitled to everything, not employees, not slaves, but children of God. Children of God, this is um, something offered to us to be treasured, not to be taken lightly. This is the fundamental of what the church is. This is... You know, if asked, you know, what is the church? You could say, well, it's the gathering of the children of God. Sounds a bit strange if you sort of have never heard anything about the church, but that's the fundamental of what we are. We've all been changed by the goodness of God. We've all felt that call to be welcomed in, and we're all here. Verse 20 With Christ Jesus, he himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also were built together, uh, spiritually into a dwelling place for God. So as people of faith, as Christians, this is our highest calling, to be the church, to have Jesus as the cornerstone. The cornerstone is, is that bit of the building that nothing can be built without. You know, it is that fundamental um, stone that everything is else blocked to. To have Jesus as the cornerstone of our personal lives. The thing that we can't do without. The person we can't do without. That on our personal lives, but that also as our lives together, as a corporate children of God? What does it mean that we are being built as living stones and living stones that are connected into Jesus, that life-giving spirit? We are, as the church, asked to create something holy, something other than a physical building, other than a physical group of a certain number of people. We are meant to be more than the sum of our parts because Jesus is that cornerstone. And in the Old Testament, the meeting place of God was with a small number of people in a specific place, the tabernacle. Later, it was the temple in Jerusalem, But now for the the church, what is it? The dwelling place of God is in us. It is where we are, where we gather. It is whenever we gather as well. And I hope we don't take this lightly. 
I hope we cherish it. I hope we long to, to create these moments. Let's be the church. Let's be a gathering of God because it's an opportunity that we can create at any point. And this is the expectation that God places for us to be the meeting place of God wherever we are, to make that holy moment together. Let's take a step back for a moment. I've always found it curious um, that this is how God would have chosen to have done things. Have you ever thought that? You've got Jesus, he turns up, you know, finally someone to take control. Um, you know, he, he has his 12. You know, he tells them what to do. He's, um, he's crucified, he's raised from the dead, um, raised triumphant. We all seem to kind of get what's going on and then he goes up into heaven and he says, there, you know what's going on? I think, do we? Do we know what's going on? But before going into heaven, he does a few things. He does actually pass the church on. And he does it not as a plan B, not as a, oh, I better be off before I go. Here's a plan. But what is plan A for God um, and the church? If you read the end of John's Gospel, you get this moment where Jesus talks to Peter on the side of the lake and Jesus approaches Peter at his lowest ebb this moment when he has denied him three times on the cross and he asks him three times do you love me and three times telling him in slightly different ways to provide for his people for the people of God describing them as sheep or as lambs but through reading that, we see this intimate moment between Jesus and the first person to, to lead the church, that this was plan A all along, that God has longed for the people of God to be flung wide, but to intimately meet together at that same time, for there to be no restriction on who can become a child of God yet to be holy, to be called by him as well. He wasn't looking for those super apostles um, that we read about in the New Testament. Peter was chosen at his lowest ebb. He was looking for someone who longed for him. Peter said, you know, I love you. That was what Jesus wanted to hear, and that is what we need to be as the church. It didn't need to be anything fancy. It needed to be something that was faithful. So the church is ultimately God's plan. It is something that we've been seeing leading up to this moment through the generations. Right back in the Old Testament, there were moments when I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. This wasn't a surprise when you know Jesus came, oh, maybe we'll have plan B. This was always God's plan. And so he always wanted his people to remain close to him, to remain faithful to him, to remain holy, to remain with Jesus as the cornerstone. And it might have 
challenge as we work out what all of those stones look like as we place them in different places. They have different shapes, different sizes. But this is ultimately God's plan for Jesus to be the cornerstone and for us to fit together. And the main thing is that ultimately we're always connected into that cornerstone that is Jesus. Reading our scriptures, knowing who God is, praying to him, listening for his guidance in our lives. We're called to be holy, to be distinct. And unlike the people in the Old Testament who were distinct and called to be separate, called to be called out of the world. We are called to be distinct, but called to be in the world, drawing people in far from feeling far off to feeling close to Jesus. And I hope that this has been our own experience. Perhaps we've known someone draw us in, whether it was a family member or a friend. And ultimately, this is what we're called to, to do and be for our friends, for our family, for our local community. A beacon on a hill drawing people in. Ultimately, the church is God's plan A. And it is for God to be with us, to be God in us. We have known Emmanuel, God for us. And so we are here to be God with us, to be God in us, until he returns. And that's going to be what we talk about next week. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the church, for your institution. We pray that we would be part of those living stones who are grafted into your cornerstone. Help us when it's challenging uh, give us joy when it's um, a wonderful experience. We pray for your guiding spirit here in this congregation. We pray that this church and churches throughout Sheffield, throughout this country and throughout this world would know your guidance, would know your blessing on them. We pray that we would be faithful children of God in this place now and on into eternity. Amen.